Welcome to the session. This is the Blueprint Soccer Podcast, and I'm your host, Clint. If you find this podcast valuable, please share it with your teammates, friends, and family. Enjoy. And we are live on this episode of the podcast. We are joined by Columbia University graduate, Ivy League Offensive Player of the Year, former player with FC Eintracht Bamberg in the fourth tier of the Bavarian Football Association, 2016 USL champion with New York Red Bull 2, former Tampa Bay Rowdies, and currently playing with New Mexico United and representing the Afghanistan national team, one of the best people on this planet, one of my favorites, David Najem. My man, thanks for finally hopping on. It would have been better to do it over some hot grill, but I'd take this any day of the week. I miss hot grill. Thanks for having me, Clint. Great to be on. Yeah, I'm glad that we were able to connect and find the time. Very anticipated. A lot of people waiting to hear from you. So want to get into a lot with you and uh, hoping to shed some insight. You're, uh, you're uh, very intelligent. You're well-spoken. Uh, you got a great background, and I think more people need to hear from you. So um, want to talk to you about your background, um, your experience at, at Columbia University, um, time overseas, um, and then now back here in the USL getting to experience a few different franchises, right, between Red Bull and then Tampa Bay and now New Mexico. So let's start with your background. Uh, I was one of the lucky ones, I think, with uh, Zach Portillos to be able to play with both you and your brother. Um, what was the impact that, that he had growing up uh, around the house? I want to let's start with that. I mean, that's, yeah, it's a great place to start, actually, just because, um, you know, growing up, soccer wasn't even my first sport, right? So I played American football. I played Wait, stop, stop. No, you didn't. I did not know I that. Did. I did. I didn't, I didn't start playing soccer until the first grade, I want to say. The first grade. So six or seven years old was, like, the first time I kicked the soccer ball. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's, 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 yeah, it's a pretty neat little uh, insight into my life but it was that was big because my brother started when I started right so he got like a two and a half year head start yeah um, but but we started up around the same age we, we were pretty close in age so we got to kick around in the backyard my uncle and my dad played with us all the time and that's how we kind of kept going with it you know and eventually you know we started weeding out the the sports that didn't matter as much and then we we stuck to soccer and thank god we did right wow even i learned something new today did not anticipate <laughs> that but uh wait so your dad didn't get you into soccer initially like he didn't force it upon you or there was not like no. hey you guys you know here's a soccer ball we're going to get after it yeah not at all i think my dad honestly he played more basketball growing up and in, in university back back home for him so um it wasn't until my uncle came over that's that's when like the big soccer impact started and you know then my dad got got on with it as well and my uncle he played in the lower leagues in germany i want to say too he was always a great player he's a little younger than my dad but um he moved he moved to New Jersey and then that's when he you know stayed around us all the time and 
my brother, my dad, and, and him, we played two on two, you know, in the backyard growing up. And I think that's when it really took off. And yeah, my uncle was a class player. He was, he was, you know, quick wow. number nine, super technical. So that's, that's where we got it. And I think it just took off from there. And then, yeah, like I said, my dad, my uncle, we, we, we would play all the time in the backyard and that's, that's where, where it started in Clifton, New Jersey. All right, so we'll we'll get into it, but for the people that do know you and and are familiar with the the Najem name, with both your brother uh, and yourself playing for the academy, being like you guys were probably one of the the first ones, you know, in that academy to to really come through and start to get some recognition and and start to you know become really talented players. The people that are listening and and see like that you're both playing professionally now. You, the listeners are probably like these guys must have been shoved into the sport regimented every day you know dad had him doing x y and z in the backyard but that seems so organic for you guys to get involved in the game the way you did i figured that like, yeah. it was some i knew you knew that it was something within your family but i didn't know that it was you know you were doing other sports and then you know, it came upon, you know, you and your brother at the same time and you got involved, you know, without any force or, you know, somebody saying, hey, you guys got to play soccer. That's uh, yeah, it was, a, it was definitely an unorthodox process. But I mean, the, the way it did it, it was, I think, organically was, was the best way you could put it, uh, how you said. And we just, you know, took to it and we just never looked back. It was just a great setup. And, you know, I always pride myself from being from you know New Jersey and what what an incredible soccer uh, foundation that state has and the tri-state area in general like we're always playing against incredible players um, even you getting involved in the offseason you know that you know yeah. and that started you know Clifton Kearney those are those are big time cities in, in New Jersey and I think that helped a lot you know we had a bunch of different clubs uh, youth clubs and then uh, you talked about Red Bull a little bit, and I I got in, involved when it was the Metro Star still, you know, right. that last final year. So um, it was written in the stars almost, but the setup the setup was incredible for me, you know, being in Clifton, New Jersey, um, so close to you know clubs and organizations like that, where I was able to um, get involved at a young age. So it was it was just great. I I talked to Zatella about it. I think. I want to get your perspective. What in the world is in the water in Clifton? Like all these guys that come through the town of Clifton, it's like, it, it's insane. The amount of players that are now playing professionally and have starting with what, Giuseppe, probably even going further back, but for for more recent times, right? Giuseppe, you have Zatella, Miazga, you and your brother, like that's already a handful of players where towns maybe have like one or two players, if that within like every 20, 25 years. And I'm sure I missed other guys. So for sure. Yeah. I, I, it's something unexplainable, honestly, but I mean, if I had to break it down to something, just like the diverse culture, right. I, I think it's just a hotbed for, you know, different ethnicities and cultures that come that are so soccer heavy, you know, and that's, that's something so great. And New Jersey is, is, like a great um, example of, you know, the the football that that that's like bred in in that in the cities within it, you know. And then you you go and you have you know a little Portugal, a little Italy. You have you know the 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 Polish community, the Russian community. So you can find a little bit of everything there. And I think it just starts from a young age. And and you know, I was a first first generation American. So a lot of you know other other kids our age, I think they were just 
born into the soccer culture immediately. So I think, you know, that's why you see a bunch of these just impressive athletes just doing so well from, from these areas. I forget if it was you or your brother that I was talking uh, to uh, talking about the AYSO program, the rec program in Clifton. Is it you or your brother? I just Uh, heard like, it's incredible. Like that's something that like take, there's a lot of pride in the AYSO program in Clifton, like in the YMCA or rec, whatever that so many kids go. And I don't know who looks after them, but whoever is looking after them is doing a, a pretty decent job. And that's what it is. It's the YMCA's. It's a local, you know, grassroots community, uh, recreational sports that are doing so well. Like my brother and I grew up playing at the Boys and Girls Club in Clifton, and it was an all indoor league, and it was in the winter time, right? Like we don't we don't have the weather in New Jersey to like that, like Texas, California, Florida. We can play all year round, right? So right. that was like that initial futsal type style, and that's where we got you know the technique, the little touches. I mean, we're so thankful for for the Boys and Girls Club in Clifton, and we we go back all the time, and we love you know, volunteering and donating our time as much as possible just because that was such a huge part of our, our youth career, you know, playing indoor during the winter times, just scoring a bunch of goals and playing and, you know, me watching my brother sometimes. Um, I think we played together maybe for, for a year in there. So, yeah, it's just that's where it all started, man. I forget. I don't even know if we have said it, but Adam, Najem, Dave's brother, just for for that point, I don't think we, we threw his name out there, but if you haven't caught on, it's it's Adam is is Dave's brother. So um, let let's talk about Red Bull because you bring it up with the transition from uh, Metro Stars uh, and them really just getting the academy off the ground. Now it's a completely different world with all these quote unquote academies. Um, and if you, when you th- start to throw that term around, you almost uh, think of the AYSO is better academy is a better academy than some of these quote-unquote professional academies but now Red Bull uh, is is really established and it's not what it was what is that almost like 10 years ago more than 10 years ago right crazy Um, really established a lot of success you've homegrown players that come out of there year in and year out it it started with with you and that that group Um, so when it first started what was the exposure like? What was what were the demands? Uh, you know, you you've seen some different environments. So, I guess let's talk about the the academy experience. Uh, I use that term because that's what's what's used now in terms of development. Um, so your your high school age years, even before that, um, and then when things really started to get serious uh, with you and the sport and how you you progressed as a player. Yeah, and uh, it's. It, it was an important time for me, and I and it was just great timing to be honest as well. Um, you know, after I I left the local club scenes like the Clifton Stallions and Montclair Marauders, like where I played my youth ball from, you know, U eight to U eleven, U twelve, um, where I started that foundation, right? But then, you know, if I'm if I'm to name drop someone right now, like Gio, Gio Savarisi was actually the head of Metro Stars at that time, so. Um, and the whole situation was different. I mean, we, we ran through the giant stadium, the giant stadium bubble. We were playing right. in, you know, a couple, uh, parks by, by us in Rutherford. For, you know, I remember like that. It, yeah. We didn't, yeah, we don't, we didn't have, you know, the facilities that was all. And it's so amazing to see, right. That development. And, and for me to, to be, um, you know, in, in those first couple of years, I mean, there, there were a couple of years before me for sure. And guys who are, who are older now, uh, who kind of spearheaded that, that project for sure. But 
I mean, for me to go from age, you know, I mean, local club team to a team like the Metro Stars when I was 12 and, um, you know, they had the U14, U16, U18 set up. Um, and then that following year, I remember one day before school, I turned on ESPN and then, and I see Red Bull buys Metro Stars. And I'm like, hey, that's kind of, that's kind of funny. Like I'm, yeah. I'm part of that organization and like no one said anything, you know? So we go to training with that, you know, that next week and, Sure enough, like it's all Red Bulled out, you know, they, they've come in um, and for the better, obviously, like look, look how far it's come, look at the players they've produced, right? It's just next level. And I think, you know, the Red Bull organization, I, I'm so, so proud and honored to be part of that because they've done so much for me and my family, you know, like I've, I've been part of that organization. I played for their two team. I won a national championship with, the, with in the USL with that team. Um, so, yeah, I, I want to say I, I was part of that organization directly for maybe 13 14 years you know, right. from, from the youth like through the u23s where i played with you and and even onto the usl team so i mean what a setup and and it's gotten better and better and you know i think red bull was probably one of the first to do it and then you know you have other huge clubs um and mls clubs who are growing their academies like dallas and rsl and sporting you know and uh, you know followed by a bunch of you know other mls teams who are doing it but I want to say they were the first and you know what great timing it it, it was for for me and Adam for sure. Um here here's know, something I want to I want to since you bring it up with the age and I want to figure out how to word it and maybe you can can clarify it as well. But there are so many players um here's how I want to put it. When 12-year-olds go into a, a quote-unquote academy, Red Bull, you name it, one of the top MLS ones the likelihood of them going through every age group up until 19s and then whatever, U23s, the PDL, USL League 2, and then making it to the first team, I would be so interested to see what 12-year-old actually progresses all the way through. And to have both you and your brother do that, like what insight can you give to, to families? Like at 12 years old, it's super cutthroat. Like right now, yeah. I think it was a little bit different 10 years ago, but to give people yeah. a perspective, like I talk to families about it sometimes now where it's like Red Bull's calling them or you name the, the top academy and it's like, that's a great shout to go there. You know, it's a great opportunity, but there's so much that needs to go right over the next six, seven years yeah. to when you really want to be there at 17 18 19 yeah so i guess my my point that i I want to try and figure out and and share with the the listeners is how to progress literally for seven years when you really want to be there and you know not get lost and and get cut at 13 14 15 because then you may not get that chance when it actually really is important right maybe staying at your who knows what would have happened or who knows what happens if you stay at your local town team, Clifton Stallions, you name it, yeah. right? But I don't know. I just feel like it's so it's such a, a a risky, bizarre jump to put so much pressure on a 12 and 13 year old at that time yeah. in their life when, you know, I don't even know if I've made any progress there with what I just said. But I the no, craziest I, point I is it. just 12 to 19 to have to progress yeah. all the way through. When it's like, just be the man on the Clifton Stallions until you're 15. Yeah. See how things progress and then really get that opportunity. Because there are so few players 
maybe one, maybe two, each yeah. age group that make it all the way through. For sure. No, and it's a great point you bring up. And I, I think the best way, like I, the way I would take a stab at it is like, I mean, to, my youth career that, I mean, we're talking, you know, like 14 years ago almost, you know, 14, 13 to 15 years ago. So sure. for sure a different time, right? So I think it was a little more clear for my brother and me. Um, but now, I mean, we talked about it at the beginning of, of this talk where, you know, things are progressing so much. I mean, the club, club soccer, is is so good the local grassroots foundation is so good at this point and and what we didn't have was that that qual the quality coaching staff you know but now people are starting to progress and get to the age where they've they've played a lifetime of soccer right like they've they've mm -hmm. seen soccer they're studying soccer like Amer american soccer is no joke anymore like you could see it in the, in the mls and the usl and guys going overseas like people people are starting to take american soccer seriously and, and they should you know right. like yeah we were behind in times a lot but now you have some great uh non-academy teams who are producing players you know and and i think uh these mls academies are trying to figure out a way to to combine and and work with those organizations because sometimes i think for me it was clear because it was close to home it was you know 20 to 30 minutes away and it just made sense for me but a lot of you know some players had to travel two hours from new york to get to new jersey to, to train with red bulls and sometimes right, yeah. you know maybe 10 years ago if there was a, a local club team that, that that had the quality that some of these club teams have now they wouldn't have gone and and probably for for the right reason right like that's it's a big sacrifice you're making at 12 and 13 to to travel and commute um for for something that's not so certain right so yeah. i think i think it's a great point you bring up but i think it's a lot about timing it's a lot about situation um you know the the, the situation at home like what what the parents like my, my parents were incredible and super supportive uh for me and my brother and we owe, we owe you know the world to them so uh yeah it's a lot about what it, what it is in these person personal situations you know mm -hmm. so it, it's hard to pinpoint a, a direct answer but i think i think there are more options now where where players can stay at home and maybe live normal you know youth lives and still get the quality soccer that that they can get from their local clubs for sure yeah two things based on what you, what you just said that it's so hard for me to gauge even with coaching like there's there's this bias that i have towards players that i played with and and when i was a player like I, I want to make the point that players, I think, are getting better. Like the top end players are getting better. But I feel like the, um, you know, middle of the pack, the med the average player is not really getting any better. Like I think of our teams, right, and and teams now. Like there there's Sean Davis, there's Juan Agadello, right, in that academy team. And then you have the, you'll have the top player, right, in each age group for – you know, the current 2001 age group, 2002 age group, but the overall player, maybe you can share some experience based on your time at Red Bull 2 and knowing some of the academy kids coming up and into training. And then, you know, at Tampa Bay, when, when guys have jumped up or, or even at New Mexico in the short time, do you think the average player is getting better? Like the top players are always going to be there. I think we're producing yeah. some, some top players. Um, but like the average one, I don't know if we're really progressing. Like, do you think your Red Bull yeah. team could beat 
the current Red Bull team, U19, U19. Like, it's so hard to actually compare, and it's one of those things that's yeah. debatable, but you have a really level head and, and good gauge on those yeah. things. So. Yeah, for sure. That's a great question. Um, you know, I think players that, that are coming out of these academies are are very good. They're talented, right? Like, the, the, you can't question the talent that's coming from those teams. And I think I think these MLS clubs are trying to figure out, you know, I think they're asking the same question that, that you're asking. Like, how do we transit? How do we make this transition better? Like, they're bringing in a ton of kids and, you know, maybe... You well, know, well how about this? Sorry, sorry, real quick. Yeah, because let me like they're gonna be the Tyler Adams, right? And and yeah. and the Gem brothers, Sean, right? You name those top guys. Like there are gonna be those top guys year in and year out. But with the money that that's being spent on coaching and all these yeah. efforts, the infrastructure of the um, you know facility that they have, a lot of these clubs are building their own facilities and spending all this money on coaching. You'd think there'd be more Tyler Adams and Sean Davises and you name whatever yeah. players coming out of the academy. Yeah, and I think clubs are shooting for that, right? Like what an impact Tyler has made by himself for this organization, right? He, he's gone overseas. He's, he, he played in the Champions League semifinal the right. other day, you know? So like I, I think uh, financially, like economically, I think these clubs are shooting for those types of players. Like that's where they're gauging it, right? But at the end of the day, like you think about it, there there are so many there there are limited spots, right? Like there are only a couple guys that are going to get brought in because Red Bull, you know, the Red Bull first team, they still have to bring in the international guys to compete, right? They still have to yeah. bring in so so like those spots are very limited for the homegrowns, and and Red Bull's been one of the best clubs to do it. They're bringing up guys, they're giving them opportunity, but again, like you said, that like how do you bridge that gap? Like how do you bring a 15, 16, 17 year old guy? And, and have him make an immediate impact like Tyler Adams did for the first team. It's so difficult. And I think, you know, they're trying to figure it out. They're trying to study it. They're trying to replicate and mimic, you know, his situation. But it's so hard to do, right? Mm-hmm. But my point my point is you're bringing these players up. And, I mean, Red, how many Red Bull guys are playing in the USL and professionally all over? Like, no, there's still guys who are who are having great careers. Do you know what I mean? Like, like very very good professional soccer crews are making a livelihood out of it you know so it's not like those players fall by the wayside you know they're still having great careers and you know their, their names are all over the place they're still part of this red bull organization because you know that's that's what where they came from so i you know i i don't know if they're failing you know but i i think the expectation is very high right because of some of the names that are coming out but um it, it's 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 a numbers game for sure right and i think I think the spots are very limited to start uh, to start with, and it's it's only getting tougher because MLS is getting better and better, you know, and they're bringing mm-hmm. more international guys and more quality. So it's 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 about bridging that that gap for those young players and kind of you know I think these these two teams are a great way to do it and have them play in the you know League One and USL Championship and get professional experience and that's how you that's how you start bridging that gap and make them better and better for sure. Yeah, I know we've been been talking a lot on Red Bull since we're familiar and have grown up in the system, but. Yeah. You, you look at like an FC Dallas or, or Portland now that's been around for a little bit um, that have these really established youth academies, Seattle, LA Galaxy. I my, my assumption would be all the money that's being spent over the last 10 years, like, yeah, when we were growing up, you'd expect one or two, right? Yeah. But now I just feel like there should be three, four, five, six 
you know, and I know they all can't sign for their particular club, but then, you know, get dispersed right. to, you know, another club around the world. Um, but that's yeah. really, I don't think that's, that's happening. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I just, I guess, my I, I mean, point I agree is, with you. I guess yeah. just my point is all the money that's being spent, um, and all the energy and efforts, like, are we really progressing? I think we are in a sense, yeah. right. But I think also we're, we're stagnant too. Um, mm -hmm. and I don't think that necessarily comes down to, to the coaching and the facilities, but also come mainly comes down to the, to the players. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. I totally agree with you. Yeah. I think, I think that's an area, uh, to develop in, in, in American soccer in the next, you know, 10, 10, 15, 20 years. Um, but you know, the league is progressing for sure. Um, and then now it's just finding that way to push, push that middle pack, you know, further forward. Yeah. Like it's, it's just something that I, I think about it, it. It seems like we, we've gone all over the place there, but just start like to, uh, you want those players that go in like you and your brother at 12 years old and progress all the way through. And I get that more players, players progress at different times. So then, you know, those bottom half will then move on to, you know, to another club and they'll bring a yeah. new fresh batch in of players and new, new group of players to, to work with. So then it pushes yeah. other players out, but that's, yeah. that's the thing. It's so hard to progress from 12 yeah. to, to 19. You don't want to peak at 12 and 13 years old. So I, sure. I guess let's get into how did you manage that then? Like, how did you maintain, do you, I mean, that's probably hard to, to reflect on too, but, um, you and your brother progress uh, from, 12 to 19 and then you in particular go on to u23s and then usl league two team right and win the or usl league two usl championship and uh and then win that that uh national championship so um yeah just the longevity is there anything that you can think about as to how you maintain that that time there yeah, it's it's one of those things where you don't think about, right? But like you, you have those those goals that you set personally, right? And I think for me, you know, I just love the sport so much and I just wanted to be the best every year. I just want to make an impact on my team every year and and you know, I wasn't even thinking about it, you know. Like for sure, of course, you, you know, every young player has has ambitions of becoming a professional player. Right. And I, and I had my eyes set on it for sure, but um it's just like year by year and and that's something I tell all the all the young players these days just like Think about today, like what can you do today and tomorrow to make yourself better, right? Like focus, don't focus about 10 years in the future because like if you set these mini goals along the way, like you're going to get better and you're going to hit that goal eventually. So yeah. like I, I don't want to say I, I wish I wish someone had told me that for sure. And I think maybe I that's kind of like the path I took and the, and the mentality I took. But, you know, I just I just wanted to continue to get better and, and, and having my brother there with me. I think that's that's a huge thing as well. Like we were both so invested and, and, and interested in the sport and getting better. Um, it's not every you know, not every family has, you know, the ability to, to have two brothers play together and, and yeah. at a high level as well. You know, so I think we we're mutually beneficially pushing each other, you know, to get better and and we would come home from practice and we'd play more, you know, we'd be in the backyard playing more. So I think that had a huge influence on, on, on us, like continuing and, and getting better and, and gradually, um, you know, progressing through that, that Red Bull system, uh, like you said. So it, it seems like a long time when you say it, right? And, mm -hmm. and, and, and hindsight, it seems like an eternity, right? But like, I think when we took it day by day, it was just so fun. It was kids being kids and we just wanted to be the best players we could be and, and we were just pushing each other, you know? 
Like when you talk about getting home and playing, like was there anything else that you would say like you went above and beyond and like stressed yourself out over like, oh, I have to do this and this. Like you, we talk about goals and I feel like a lot of youth players now are like almost stressing themselves out and burning themselves out and like looking at like, I have to meet all these goals and, you know, by this time I need to do this and this or, you know, they get super discouraged if they don't meet yeah. it. Like, I don't remember ever being like so cutthroat or I don't know if that's the right word. Just like so, um, I guess, obsessed with it where, you know, it almost becomes a burnout where I feel like a lot of players now get all this stress on them where, you know, things need to happen or, you know, you're done playing or whatever. Yeah. I mean, in retrospect now, thinking about it, maybe maybe we we have to credit uh our mom for that to be honest you know she always stayed on top of it like school was number one i mean you know you know my mom yeah. you know my family Clint. so yeah. like she she pushed school on us so much like if we didn't if we didn't do well if we didn't finish our homework there, there was no football for us you mm-hmm. know so i think maybe that was that was almost that was the stress that we're, we were thinking about you know like we we had to do well in school we had to finish all our homework and then we could go out and have fun you know so I think maybe maybe that aspect, with, like without even us Balance. knowing, without even her, her knowing, you know, like we we had to finish all that, all that had to be taken care of, and then we had no no worries going out to the field, having fun, you know, and and I think that's what motivated us even more so, you know, like we mm-hmm. had to get be on top of our schoolwork and on top of everything we had to do, and then we get to go out and have fun, play, and and I think that was just stress-free football at that point, just us having fun and enjoying ourselves. And right. I think that's how it kind of progressed for us mm-hmm. personally. Yeah, I guess obsessed wouldn't be the word because I think I was obsessed with soccer, but I didn't stress myself out, nor did you. And I think a lot of guys that we played with, like really, I'm trying to figure out the best way to word it where it was like, um, just like almost to a point where it's too much. Like we knew when there was... Uh, needed to be like a balance or, or a distraction where like yeah we always wanted to to play but it wasn't like forced i guess that's the best yeah. way it, nothing nothing was forced on you like in terms of development like where a lot of players now it's like all right you have your training monday wednesday friday then you got your personal yeah. trainer on tuesday and thursday yeah when no. like i think now it's like too much for a lot of players to have that yeah overbearing week where you have your team training three times a week and then it's like almost mandatory from the parents or the other uh, like other coaches to say hey you got personal training you know if you want to play on the weekend when it's just like let it happen right like that's the best way to put it i think that's a much clearer way i mean like the word you used uh, earlier just organically like how it happened it happened whenever it was like we had the games it was the setup and and you know, if we wanted to play more, we played more, you know, yeah. so it wasn't, it wasn't forced on us at okay. all. And I think, you know, we, we had our group of friends and sometimes, you know, we played more in that way, but it was just whenever we wanted to. Right. And, and, and maybe, you know, I, I can't remember what those schedules look like. It was probably three times a week and, mm-hmm. you know, it's maybe a little more now. Um, but it's just you, you getting used to that schedule or whatever it is, but, but still finding, you know, the love of the, of the game and enjoying it and, and going through, I mean, if you're not enjoying it, then, Right. Like, how can you be great at something you're not enjoying? You know, it's 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 a tough balance. No, I think that I think that we cleared it up very well with those last yeah. last two points because uh, a lot of the conversations I have and, and perspectives from parents and, and other players, it's like 
all right, I got team training, Monday, Tuesday, whatever, Thursday, those other days, like I need to organize, uh, you know, personal sessions, whether that's, you know, in the gym or with, you know, some spe position specific coach. And it's like, no, that's not how a lot of these players have gotten there. It's yeah. just been natural, organic, like natural. we've said, where, exactly. you know, yeah, if maybe they want to go do do a personal session somewhere, you know, then they do it like almost spur of the moment, right? Like when they're yeah. they're feeling it. But to have it structured two weeks out, three weeks out, like that overbearing, yeah. like stressing the player out when they're being forced to do it, when it's not yeah. that internal motivation, I just feel like it's that's what gets a lot of players caught up where maybe that's why a lot of players are burning out and we're losing players during that like 14 15 16 17 you know when yeah. we would have more whatever tyler sean's yourself you name yeah. the, those players that yeah. that have progressed and made it all the way through so yeah um, totally agree with that I, I think that's an important point to share and i'm glad that we cleared it up because i think it was little hectic there with the points yeah, that no, i was no, making so I, I i get it man i get it and you have to have a childhood at the same time you know you have to remember to be a yeah. kid at, at times so too many robots it's, now it's yeah, too many yeah robots sure. so you talked about education there columbia degree oh yeah Let, let's That's talk right. about this experience because uh somehow your brother skipped around it and uh <laughs> and didn't have to go ivy league like you and your sister but um <laughs> What was that experience like? And, you know, you talk about setting the goals and, and dreams of, of playing pro and going Ivy League obviously sets you up for, for a fantastic career and, and getting that degree and, and almost financial freedom after you get that in terms of jobs and, yeah. and the, the background. But uh, a lot of players would shy away from that if they're at the level that that you were and i'll do the talking for you so you don't have to because i know how humble and, and reserved you are but <laughs> the type of player you are I you're like <laughs> you're like a you would have you're one of the top players in the academy and a lot of players of your caliber at this time would be like i'm going to one of the the top schools or i'm bypassing school to to go pro yet you go to Columbia and you're still where you are today, achieving your dreams, playing professional soccer. Let's talk a little bit about Columbia and the experience there. I don't have a specific question, but let's okay. talk about like just Columbia, the experience, how how you decided on Columbia maybe and, and take it yeah. from there. Yeah, for sure. And obviously it was heavily influenced by my family, right? Like I, I feel like it was just instilled in me and, and you know my family, like I said before, um, just education was, was so big and, and my sister kind of, uh, led the way with that. She was, she's brilliant. She's one of the smartest human beings I've, I've known. Honestly, she's, she's incredible. You guys and, have unbelievable you know, genes. It's like, it's, it's ridiculous. I'm <laughs> it's jealous of it. Uh, yeah. She's something else. So she, yeah, she kind of led the path and, and we followed in her footsteps, but, but uh, you know, the foundation and, and the bar was always, it was there, you know, it was, it was high for us. So, I mean, for me and, and for me personally, I think, you know, I was the middle child. I, I always just like being the balance, you know, like I just, I just wanted to balance everything. I wanted to be good at a lot of different things. And, you know, I talked about it recently, like, um, you know, would I rather know a lot about a few things or a little bit about a lot of things? Mm -hmm. and, and for me, it's the latter. Like, I, I just want to know a little bit about everything. And, and, and for me, like being a balanced human being, you know, a balanced individual person. I want to be balanced in soccer. I want to be balanced in school. Like I, I just wanted to get 
you know, the full experience of everything. And, and, and I, I believed in myself, you know, and I took a risk for sure. Um, I went Ivy, but you know, the coaches were, were great to me and I, and I had a lot of confidence in myself that I could still pursue it, you know, if, if I wanted to after, I'm like, I, I had the idea of, you know, graduating in three and a half years and, and still pursuing. It, and that's what I did. Right. Um, but you know, my mom was, was thrilled with that decision. You know, yeah. she, she was so big, uh, on, on going Ivy if, if possible. And, and I did it, you know, and, and it was a great experience. I, I don't look back. You know, I don't regret anything. I, I, I love the decision I made. Even even if I'm not using the degree right now, I, I still think it's going to play a huge part in my life eventually. It will. Um, in in some, some form or another, you know. But, um, yeah, I mean, the experience, it was it, it, it was a great school, a great experience. I was in New York. I was still close to home. And, and I think that that created that full experience. And, and I'll get to after school uh, shortly. But, you know, I was still always at home. And that was... And that was comfortable for me, right? And, and yeah. I think I developed and, and, and I was able to, to get better and have that sense of comfort and, and having my parents and my family there still, you know? Um, but, you know, eventually I would have to make, make that leap of faith, which, which, I, which I do after, mm-hmm. after school. Um, but, you know, I still stayed focused on my studies. It was, it was a great experience. It was, it was tough. It was tough for me, for sure. Like, <laughs> Ivy League schools are no joke, but... I, I've become so much better because of it. Um, you know, I, I, I've, you know, got my degree in, in poli sci, um, pre-law with, with a minor in history. And I, I think I've become a, a better person for it. Like I've learned more about myself because of it. Um, and you know, I, I don't regret it at all. I think, I think it was huge for me to make that decision. Uh, two things. I think the, one of the big things with this podcast and, and the purpose of it is to, to show players and, and and people that if you're good enough, you're gonna get the opportunity and you're gonna make it regardless of yeah. of the path that you take. Like, yeah. uh, I feel like the assumptions these days are like, you know, 16, 17 years old, you need to go into a professional academy, and if you don't, then you're not gonna make it as a as a professional soccer player yeah um and that's why i really wanted to start this to to share the different experiences and and the different ways players got to where they they got to in their career and then give uh, you know them the perspective and and hear how the decisions were made to to navigate the the different challenges and decisions where a lot of people don't have great insight or, or the, the ability to, to reach out and talk to somebody that can can direct them in, in a proper manner. Yeah. So um, you talk about the, the experience of how you grew as a, a person, like that's a, I feel like a massive piece, like in a player uh, player's development during that collegiate time, like you learned a lot about yourself it's, yeah. Did that make you a significantly better player as well? Yeah, I mean, or do you think? I mean, or do you not even think you grew that much as a player? Like, there's that balance, right? Like, you obviously progressed yeah. as a player, but the fact that you grew and understood so much more about yourself that helped you yeah. progress. Like, it wasn't solely soccer focused. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. where if you go to um let's call it akron right a lot of players are strictly focused on the soccer and the education can be put on the back burner where in columbia at columbia you cannot put education on the back burner for one second 
right, right, right. So, right. yeah, and 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 I think so, and and maybe you know subconsciously a little bit. That's 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 what ended up happening, but. You know, I, I love to think of myself as a student of the game and maybe, you know, like even before Columbia, I, I thought like I, I love soccer. I love studying the sport and I love the tactics behind it. But maybe even after like that, maybe it just helped me think in, in, in different ways. You know, like I uh, I was doing, you know, maybe not specifically with the soccer team there, you know, like, you know, the programs are different, obviously, mm-hmm. um, you know, an Ivy League, Ivy League compared to, you know, an Akron is, is different. And and the soccer and the tactics, they're they're bigger and better and the funding is better and the players are better right at, at Akron but you know if, if if you make the most out of any situation that that you are you can take something from it and I and I for sure took something out of my 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 Columbia days and and I applied it to to, to the sport for sure um and you know I think I, I my mind just grew you know like it just I love the sport so much more after and and it just made me appreciate it so much more. And the same thing, you know, like I was, I was busting my butt in, in the library, but you know, that release of going, going out and playing, like I still love playing soccer throughout college. And that, there was just no doubt that I wanted to try it after, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't feel burnt out. Like I, I wanted to keep going a hundred percent. Yeah. No, that's uh it's a great, great point to make. And I, I think I get a bad rap with this sometimes. Nobody said it directly to me. <laughs> I don't know. I just want to clarify the point because I, I have you on and I can can make the, the tie with the, the high education in Akron. Um, I, I brought it up to Adam, I know for sure, in, in his episode with like how he got away with going to Akron and not going to an Ivy League school. So I feel like I'm degrading it, but... The reality is Ivy League is is Ivy League, and I don't want that to come off as like, no, oh, the education is it what college is college, yeah. right? But then there there yeah. is Ivy League, right? And to have that yeah. demand uh, from an academic standpoint, it, yeah. there's there's no getting around that. I don't want to come off as like, oh, the education at at, at Akron or you name another right. school that's not Ivy or or even ACC or or yeah. or you name it, right? Like, not that. Not that it's like, oh, you can do whatever, but like absolutely, Ivy absolutely. League is, I, I don't even want to have to experience one course of an Ivy League because <laughs> I drive myself crazy, but a college education and degree, like it's still yeah. very demanding, right? Don't get me wrong where yeah. it's like, oh, you can go to Akron, you don't have to go to class or you go to, uh, let's call it Rutgers because we're familiar with it and it's not Ivy, right? right? Yeah. You don't want to throw anybody under the bus. It's like, no, it's still demanding and you still have to go to class and it still, you know, keeps you up late at night often, yeah. but it's not Ivy. Like that's like, it, I feel exactly. like a whole different world. So, and, and, and how you said it, you, you put it best Honestly, like, there's so many different routes you could take to, to get, you know, to, to the ultimate goal, right? Like there's so many, there are different ways to get a cat, right? So like, it's so interesting. And I love that, that, that you brought that up and, and, you know, the players that you're having on, on, on the show and what, what you're saying, like, it's, it's so interesting just to hear the stories and the personal experiences. Like everyone has a different story and they, you know, and they come to the same end goal somehow, you know, right. or, or that's how the path took it. So it's, it's whatever those personal experiences and those personal steps and, and, you know, the checkpoints they hit at certain times, you know, it, it progresses you and you, you move on to it. So so I think it like the path is so unique and so interesting that that it makes you the person and the player you are today. And I think that's that's spot on to, to me and, and my education and where where I am now. So mm-hmm. I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah, and that's uh, 
that's how I try to clarify it too when I get the question from players like, oh, how do I make it pro? And I'm like, yeah. well, how much time do you have? Or I just answer, <laughs> I have no fucking idea how you're going to make it pro. Because <laughs> right, there right. are so many different ways. Like, there's no direct yeah. way. Um, yeah. yeah. And everybody's looking for, for an answer. And it's just all the little steps along the way and just being able to deal with the different, you know, issues and decisions that need to get made and and you see what happens that's, <laughs> sometimes that's, it that's happens really sometimes it, it doesn't exactly, or if you have exactly. or if you have an eternity i can go through all the different scenarios <laughs> with you or you can just listen to this podcast <laughs> literally listen to it one by one you'll hear the stories they're super interesting so you you talked about it a little bit good transition they feel like we got some smooth transitions here with with hey, point to point good. it's like we have some sort of chemistry going yeah, on like I think we've, we've known each other for a while soccer field or something <laughs> Imagine if it was, imagine if it was over a hot grill, it would have been even, even smoother. Oh, but man. so you finish, so you finish Columbia and you move away from home. You get this unbelievable opportunity in Germany. Yeah. And I'm hoping you can touch on it for the listeners because a lot of people, like I said, would want to bypass or are looking to bypass college, their four year experience, three and a half for a lot of players now, since they're getting in early and, and, you know, getting the the, edu- the degree in, in three and a half years, you go to Germany playing in fourth division, which is extremely high level that I want you to put into perspective for listeners because people want to bypass college and go straight to one of these clubs in, in a lower league uh, in Europe um, because they feel like that's better for their development and they neglect the personal development that you talk about that you that you got at at columbia so let's talk about the experience going over there um you can talk about how you got over there and then like some eye-opening moments right to put it into perspective for the listeners like this is the shit you got to get ready for if this is what you really want yeah exactly and and for me it's twofold for me it's personal and and it had a lot to do with with football as well like uh, I'll, i'll get into it but so yeah, I had the opportunity, and you know, I I, I graduated three and a half, so I, I I passed up on my on my senior spring semester, and you know, a lot of it's you know the windows, the, the transfer windows, and mm-hmm. you know, nothing really goes on in, in America at that time, especially you know in 2013 when I, when I left, um, and I had this incredible opportunity to go overseas, and I there's just no stopping me, right? So you have your degree, was, you can do whatever you want at that point. Yeah, you can yeah. take as many risks as you want. Exactly, exactly. And there was no stopping me, right? So I, I was going to pull, pull the trigger regardless. And, you know, I had a, a Columbia alum, a New Jersey native, um, Pellegrino Matarazzo, who, mm-hmm. who was the connect there. And he's, I mean, an absolute legend now. Uh, he's doing super well in Germany. He bounced around um, Nuremberg, Hoffenheim. He's, he's coaching Stuttgart Bund- now. Yeah. Stuttgart, head, head Bund- yeah, just got promoted. Stuttgart. Yep. Yeah. So 42 and, and, years you know, old, head coach of Stuttgart incredible human being incredible family i'm still very close to, to their family to this day and you know it was no promises uh i wasn't sure it was it was a trial you know a trial uh system where, where i went and had to show myself right and i was like yeah like i'm again i'm willing to to bet on myself and and you know uh risk Take it some risk, yeah. I was full, yeah so full risk and i went overseas and uh i was with 
Nuremberg two. So that was the regular league of the fourth, the fourth division. And that's, that's their reserve league there. So in, in that league, it was Nuremberg two, Ingolstadt two, um, Bayern two, 1860 right. Munich two. So, so fantastic league to further, further my development, you know? And, and yeah, I was a, a little older compared to some of the Germ- German players there, but, but, but still it, it was very much that league where, where players would drop to get games and, you know, try to make the jump to the third, to the higher leagues. Um, so I was 20, around 20 years old, maybe turning 21. So still, still relatively young, um, at that, at that time. So, I went over there, um, not not even knowing. You know, I told some of my friends back home. I was like, "Yeah, I'm not sure what, what's what's going to happen. I'm going to go for it. Maybe I'll see you in in, in a month or so." Like, I, I don't know exactly. Yeah. So, I went, uh, had a trial. Thought I I was going to sign for Nuremberg too. Actually, uh, something fell through last minute, but another team w- was there scouting, looking, and they offered me a contract. And I never went home, <laughs> so I stayed. I stayed out in Germany. I, I signed, you know, middle of January, end of January, and literally didn't get to go home until the following Christmas. Um, yeah, so, it, and what? And like I said earlier, right? Like I, I went to school. I was, I was in the New York, New Jersey area for for twenty years. Um, all of a sudden, I had to go to Germany, a foreign country, foreign tongue and make it on my own you know live on my own and, and what a personal experience that was uh, i learned so much about myself uh you know i lived on my own i had to learn how to cook for myself um you know i was reading and and i was still very much you know part of like within that college system where i was just le- learning more about myself and i learned more about topics and and you know, I was checking in with my family. Obviously, it was a big step. You know, I still felt relatively young in, in that development, right? Like, of, yeah. of, of living on my own and, and doing laundry and all that stuff, you know? But but that was the personal side of it. So, huge, huge development. Um, the football side of it, huge as well. Uh, I went over as a center midfielder. That, that, that team brought me in. <laughs> that was my first transition to a right back. And I'm playing right back till this day. So, um huge huge uh development in my trade i had to learn learn a completely different system but i still kept you know my my tactics my technical abilities it it helped me at that at that position and that was like right around that time where a lot of center mids were making that transition to right back and i had a young coach uh very tactical coach and he taught me so much and 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 it's just so funny because he spoke very little uh english they had me go into a german class twice a week and you know, through through the two broken languages, we we made it work, and I was so eager to learn, and 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 I was, you know, at first I was maybe a little bit frustrated, like I wanted to play center mid for sure, but I mean, I was doing any, I was willing to do anything to make it happen, right? And I, I still, you know, he had so much um, confidence in me. He's like, listen, you'll be a great right back of the system. We're playing, you'll get on the ball, and that's all I want. I always want to be on the ball. Right. I always want to play and 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 you know, complete passes and get forward. So. Um, so those, those two years I spent over in Germany, I learned to be a right back, um, learned some of the German language. I learned to live alone. Um, I was in a completely different country across the, across the, the globe. So it was just a huge development process. Like I said, twofold in, in me personally and in, in my sport as well. So it was, it was very big and, and I you know, that was a turning point for me. Now looking back on it, it, that's what made me, you know, the player and the person I am today for sure. 
so it's one of those things uh it's a, a cliche that gets used so much right that you never know who's watching and i think of that exactly. time right uh, with you at at nuremberg to if you don't have the performance that you do when that whoever scout or coach was watching then who knows yeah. how things would have panned out and i that's it's like one of those the corniest things to say but it's so yeah. true because i i hear stories like that like oh this fell through but thankfully so and so was watching or connected yeah. me here because yeah. of what i did and i got the opportunity uh wherever you name it so um and then for you to transition uh positionally at at an older age you know players are so stubborn with changing positions and and especially later in their career when they're so accustomed to to being who they are as a player in a certain position and usually they're established at, at that point so it's like they don't want to change and for you to be open you talk about like that's not the the easiest thing to do but the the communication and the dialogue whatever english or german broken language yeah. that was was shared for them to say hey this is going to be best and for you to just literally go out on a limb and trust them i think says a lot about how players can can learn from your experience because yeah. you're able to then you're like you like we said you're able to take the risk because of where you're at in your life having your your degree you know establishing yourself being able to take some of some of these risks you're able to to go out on a limb where this was a great opportunity for you to to transition as a player when if you were stubborn and a lot of players are stubborn like oh i won't go and play that position because like i'm not used to it i want to play here like then they may not get an opportunity somewhere else yeah, right like yeah. who knows if another club is going to bring you in right yeah, like yeah. so i guess the the point is your openness you think that that saved your career like obviously you don't have a a crystal ball and i guess that's not the best way to put it but your willingness to 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 change positions i think is a huge takeaway for a lot of listeners because i know players that are so stubborn that won't change their yeah. position that was the one thing that i think could have been one of my biggest faults but one of my biggest strengths as well just being open to playing positions because i wanted to be on the field right yeah. so yeah. um what did you have to pick up? What was the, the biggest like hurdle that you had to clear to ad adapt to that position as a right back? Yeah, so, a central yeah so for me, I mean, I hadn't played a single game at right back up until that point. Like I would like through college, I was a center, central midfielder. Maybe I played a little bit of right wing on, on the outside a little bit. But, you know, to completely transition to a, de a defensive role, right? That's like that's a change of mentality. That's a change in focus in the game. Um, I think me i mean you know my coach having full confidence in me and me having full confidence like he was brilliant a brilliant mind so like the way he taught it to me was was impressive and you know me you know my openness like you said but but me wanting to understand and and still you know being a student of the game and and kind of following um the tactics and what's going on in world football like players i could watch you know so i he, he had me watching players uh like I don't know, like Kimmich, you know, mm -hmm. like a, a German player like that who, who also made that transition. So it was, yeah, it was focusing and understanding that I have defensive responsibilities first. And that's what I tell like young right backs uh, now. Like you have to understand you're, you're a defensive player. You have to cover the center back first and foremost. You know, you have to be in a good defensive uh, position. But 
when when you're in the, those good defensive positions, that all of a sudden that transition into attack helps you a lot more, right? So it's just having yeah. that tactical awareness, that spatial awareness to kind of be in between spaces and playing, you know, defensive, but at the same time ready to break on the attack. I think that was what really opened opened my game up. And, you know, till this day, I, I'm still switching positions, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I <laughs> over the weekend, I played left wing back, right? So it's it's just understanding the game it's the positions are similar you know they're starting points um but i think my flexibility and 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 you know I have, i've had coaches like like john wolniak at at uh red bull neil collins at, at tampa and now uh troy lestane here in new mexico like they just have full confidence in me putting me on the field um and just using me to my to my full ability you know on the left on the right uh centrally and you know i just try to play my game wherever it is, but I still have that understanding and that, that, that knowledge of like what I, what needs to be done, what's my role in those positions, but play it how I want to, how I want to play it because the coaches know what I bring you know, to the table on the field in that position. I think that's the, I think that's the best attribute any player could have. Like I go back and forth on it. Like you want players to be open and understanding how to play multiple positions um, but then I hear the argument like you have to solidify yourself in, in a certain position, which I don't know if there's a, a right answer. That's why I like yeah. that, that question that I had would have been silly. Like, what do you think would have happened if you didn't, you know, if you yeah. weren't open to playing another position? So bottom line is the biggest takeaway is being open to playing multiple yeah. positions if you're asked. Um, yeah. Because I just... I think that is a huge quality to have being open and having that understanding. You may not be perfect at every position, but if a coach can rely on you, that's, yeah. that's You're- massive. That's why I think I was able to play so much at Akron. It's not like I went in and I was like, Oh yeah, I'm a center midfielder or, you know, it just, you know, that'll be it. Just keep me next to you. If I'm not yeah. going to play center mid, I was just like right back. I felt like I was on another planet being a lefty going to right back. But like, exactly. just got to be open and and yeah, you may not have to be positions uh, or, or how do I want to wear this? You don't have to be a master at every you know position, mm-hmm. but at least be open to it. So if you're asked, you have that that understanding and, and willingness to to do it because yeah. it seems like that that's what's gotten you to where you are in your career now going on what six seven years longer as a as a pro right so yeah seven um, years seven eight years yeah so longevity is 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 key not many people get that get that many years as a as a pro so being open and willing to to adjust how about this because this is something that you you probably can think about and share uh to listeners if you were to go if you would have gone over to germany at 17 18 years old how different do you think it would have been to when you went at 20, 21 years old? Um, and what was the, the biggest eye-opener and challenge? Because all these kids talk about going over to Germany and going over to Europe to be in pro academies, you know, yet you didn't speak the language at 21, 20, whatever, 21 uh, years old. And it's like, that that's a massive jump to adjust to life in a foreign culture even if it's a you know well-developed country like germany or england or, or or you name it france right like i just think that's so few players can actually do that and and have yeah. longevity and and actually progress through the system in a foreign country at that age 
Yeah, I mean, I think you're going to be sacrificing something for sure. I mean, if I went at that age, I would be a completely different person, like to to I am today. You know, like I wouldn't have gotten that college experience. You know, that 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 further knowledge and and known more about myself. Like I would have went at a younger time where my life would have been only football at that time, right? So I don't know. I don't know how I would have seen the world, how I would have seen my future, how how open I would have been. Like for sure, maybe a different career path. Um, like professionally, maybe, maybe, you know, I'm playing in, in a top league, but, but who knows, you know, that's, that's, that's like one of those risks, you know, but it's, you know, what's the success rate to that, you know, but, but it, it's so hard to tell, but I, all I know is that if I went at a younger age, I'd be a completely different human being, uh, both on the field and off the field, if I were to go at a younger age. Right. So, so how about this? What was the biggest hurdle? Like, what was the biggest thing that you needed to adjust to, uh, when you went over there? I, yeah, I, I it was just language? living on my own. Yeah. yeah, I mean the language, living on my own, just just you know, grocery shopping. It's just like little things you don't really think about uh, when when you're at home until so you know, things, I, I was twenty. Yeah, so things that you would have never done at sixteen, seventeen years old, living on exactly. your own, grocery shopping. <laughs> Most yeah. likely not doing your own laundry for, for most players, yeah. kids, and, right? And you just get thrown, you get thrown right into it, you know? So you have, you just, you're forced to, forced to learn it. And that, I think that was like the biggest, uh, eye opener for me just, yeah. And of course the language, the language is, is a whole different, yeah. um, you know, si- side thing that, that, you know, every day, like you're trying German, Germany is a pretty good country. And like in regards to speaking English, like you can get by for sure. Um, but at the same time, like you, you need to do it to, to kind of, you know, assimilate yourself within the people and, and, and culture and, you know, you're living there. So it, you can't just get by, you know? Um, and, and that's, that's me as a person too. Like I always want to make the most of my experience. I want that full experience. So learning a language was, was non-negotiable. Like I, I was forcing myself in situations and my teammates were, you know, were push helping me along and, that's something I wanted to do because I think if you don't learn it and you're living in that country, you're going to miss out on a bunch of different things, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, yeah, I would say just, just the little things, um, life wise, errands wise, you know, you, you sort of get thrown into that, but then the language for, for sure. But I think it's the combination of the two that kind of make it like one full big experience. That's just, you know, you're thrown right into it. Which seems like it seems like it would have been extremely difficult then to adjust to having then to play. Like I start to think about it now. I feel like unless you've lived on your own, whether that's a semester in a dorm or four years in an apartment in college, like are you really ready to go and explore and take the risk living in a foreign country, let alone your yeah. own, to try and yeah. make it in a sport that millions and millions and millions of kids are fighting for for the same spot yeah. players yeah you know, just, yeah you're leaving your home and you're at a disadvantage you're going to other other players homes you like know you and said, they're, I they're don't, comfortable in those situations yeah i don't think you're mentally prepared for that so yeah. how long how i forget how long two seasons in germany yeah yeah so it was, it was yeah two seasons about a, a year and a half so um, cause I went in that, that first winter transfer window. So I missed about half, half that first right. season, but then I had that half season and the full following season. So any, any other important points to, to make that you think is, is worthwhile to, to share and give, you know, some insight on, uh, from your experience over there? I mean, <laughs> the, the, 
the big one was the promotion relegation system that we were playing in. Like the main reason I, I had to leave, we got relegated. So okay, like, so let's right, let's talk about this. Playing in that, yeah, huge. So let's talk about that. That's um, uh, that's very important for people to to get the perspective of of what it's like to be in promotion relegation and to actually get relegated because uh, that's something that a lot of people don't really have a full grasp on. They talk about you know the benefits and the the negatives of, of having that in the U.S. or not having it in the U.S. So yeah, um, yeah definitely. Let's talk about that. Yeah, so it was, again, it was something I was just thrown into. Uh, you know, I've always followed it and seen it, but living it and experiencing it is a whole different piece. It was so interesting. And, you know, we're following results. It's people's livelihoods. It's, it's contracts. It's money. It's, it's, it's so much on the line. Like, people are fighting for it, you know? Um, so it's so interesting to see. And, and the German League specifically, uh, it's set up with 18 teams, with three teams getting promoted, three teams getting relegated. So it's it's very cutthroat there, right? So... And, you know, those leaks from fourth to third, second, first, it's everyone's watching, you know, like first division, second division. I feel like third and fourth are super close. And, and you know, the bouncing around between the teams, it's it was massive. And what an experience it was like going into those games, um, just like confidence. You know, we were we we're towards the bottom of the table. Uh, I think we ended up finishing third to last or second to last which we ended up getting relegated by a few points and yeah you know it's it's one result it's two results it's a couple points difference you know it's a goal difference that that keeps me in germany for the next season versus me coming home so that what what an experience right is like it's so hard to describe and and you know you're playing for something every single game and and it's guys lives you know like people had to move and players had to go and and with their families and and change situations because they couldn't stay in 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 the in that league you know so um for me it was it was a crazy experience and i was you know trying to find other teams in in that league and it was a back and forth it was it was tough i I stayed around in, in germany for for a month maybe a month or two after that just talking to my agent trying to figure stuff out but it was it was a hectic time, right? It was it was yeah. another one of those challenges. That it was a hurdle I had to get through because I didn't know what to do next. You know, like I didn't want to sign in, in in the lower league where I had a couple a couple options. Like I, I wanted to stay in that fourth fourth league or higher, uh, and ultimately I had to make the deci- I had to make the decision to come home. Uh, but the promotion relegation it was it was just eye opening for me, you know, and and you know, and I think that's why I'm an advocate for it now. It's just there's a lot on the line. I think it asks more of players and. You know, um, the competitiveness is it's just it's different and it, it's it's like a different edge to make you a better player and ultimately make the team better and the league better and the country better. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of the promotion relegation, even though I was on the wrong side of it. Wow. That's you throw around so many words. You say you can't describe it yet. I think you've done a phenomenal <laughs> way. Uh, you talk about just the the environment, the stress the the competitiveness the yeah. you know, there are just so many variables that go into it that what what's the if you were to sum up the environment in in one word you know that uh, you th- you throw around like a word that's meaningful stressful hectic right yeah. um, but let's try and spin it in a positive way and like how players go about their business in in a promotion rele- or in a relegation battle right when all these points yeah. are on the line like 
you, you throw you could throw a word like discipline or like um, yeah. I'm just trying to think of, I mean, of words that sum it up. I, I, Maybe you can use it in a sentence, but what's yeah. the environment and the demands like every day? Like, especially when you're winding down the season. That's what it is. I mean, the if you, if I had to use one word, it's it's competitive. The competitiveness is next level. Within uh, training like that, too. In training too, do or die mentality. Like like guys want to play. You know what I mean? Like they're fighting for spots. They're fighting for bonuses they're fighting for money you know like it that's all part of the contract and, and it's their livelihood so it's something that that i experienced and, and and it was tough for me coming in as an international and fighting against these guys or who are like in in their cities in their in their countries their families are there so you know it it, it motivated me more it, it it was adversity for me to to experience like early on in in that stage where i had to step it up you know i had to be compet- competitive i had to meet the, the demands in a different country because you know, guys, guys are fighting for, for everything, for their livelihoods there, you know? So I think for me that, that experience just really pushed me to the next level. And when I came back, it was just something I just had in the back of my mind, you know, it was just like part of my arsenal, my arsenal at that point where I was just like, wow, like I've, I've, I've experienced that. That was really cool. And, you know, I'm never going to take anything for granted anymore. I want to be careful how I word this because I don't want to offend anybody that plays in these leagues, but it's it seems like it's easier here in the US in terms of the demands and the expectations. Like I get everybody wants to win, but there's a big difference in wanting to win and keeping yourself in the same league and not getting relegated or potentially getting promoted. Like we yeah. could have a whole discussion on promotion relegation which I don't I mean, yeah. we'll spend hours here. I would love to do it. And maybe yeah, we'll do it yeah. do it another time. And for just to hear you advocating for it, um, I think you definitely want to have a discussion with you about it. And I think it'd be interesting for the listeners to get the the more of an in depth perspective and an understanding of it. But I somewhat understand, but I don't understand why we don't have it in this country. And I know that's that's really broad to say, but just think about it. Yeah. You you understand it with your background, like. The the United States is built on giving this opportunity, right, to earn and, and work your way up the ladder. Yet you could be the best team in USL this year. You could win US Open Cup this year with New Mexico. Guess what? You're still in USL. So like the point is, doesn't matter how hard you want it. There's almost no point to, to I don't want to say there's no point. Like yeah. there's just so many so many things that that uh, you could get into and directions you could go. Bottom line is, let's talk about the fact that there's a big difference between really wanting to win for promotion relegation yeah. and where we're at here in the system. Where, yeah, you want to win, but what's the winning going to get you? I guess that's the best yeah. way to word it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you know, halfway through the season, you're sitting at the bottom of the table, and all of a sudden there's a bunch of uncertainty that comes up in, in your head, you know, and, and there's uncertainty within the team, the players, all of a sudden people are thinking, wait a second, you know, if I don't, if we don't get out of this relegation zone, where am I going to be next year? You know? And yeah. I think here you don't have that. Like, it doesn't matter where you're sitting at the table. You kind of, you know where the team is going to be, maybe not, not you personally. Right. So, and then you kind of have, you, you know, you start thinking about your situation with the, the team, like uh, whether, you know, the coach, fancies you he rates you whether you, you can come back or not so it's 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 a different mentality because all of a sudden you add that um 
that facet where where the team could not be in the league like then what do you do you know then finances get cut then contracts look different it's just it's interesting yeah it's it's like a safe zone you're playing with right like I would love to see the other spectrum where you get promoted as a team and reap those benefits because I can't even imagine, like winning a championship for sure. That's unbelievable, right? Like I, I've experienced that. Right. But winning yeah. a promotion, winning a promotion, getting into you know bigger league with more money, like that, that's got to be something special, you know. And that's something I would love to experience on that. Yeah, and I think uh, like like this is the point too that that I wanted to make right before is like. I get every player wants to win, right? Like you want to win every game. But I'm sure you can say when the season was winding down, right? And you're in this relegation battle, you're playing harder than you were in that beginning of the season, right? So that's the the point that I want to make. Like you claim you're playing hard, but then there's a whole different level of playing hard when you're trying yeah. to keep a job and a spot. When here yeah. in the U.S., players move out of uh, of clubs just because there's a, a turnover in roster, because the team's done poorly, so they need new players in. But do you even really get to give players the chance to show yeah. how hard they can play? And I know that comes down to the players, but imagine right. you're in a relegation yeah. battle. Maybe there's somebody that you never expected that all of a sudden turns it on i'm not saying that's right and then it's like oh wow we were in this uh, relegation battle we stayed up and look at this guy that came out of woodwork how hard he was playing and and helped us stay in the league right so i just feel like i think it does a lot of good and it actually shows the quality of of players and, and what you can get out of players when at the end of the usl season i don't think you've had to experience it but like the end of the season when you're not playing for a playoff spot or, or you're at the bottom of the table. I mean, it's almost like, what's the point? There's nothing to play yeah. for. You're not play. You want to win, but you don't care if you win or you lose. Like you're going, you're, you're not going in the playoffs. So, so what's the point? So. When, when things are on the line, it, it really brings something out of you personally. And I, you know, maybe players won't experience it until they do it. But I mean, maybe, maybe people are driven in different, different ways, but when something's on the line like that, it, it's, it adds a little something, you know, it, it, like you can't really put your finger on it, but you know, people, people start bringing more, more out, you know, and, and start yeah. pushing, pushing things to the limit at that point. Yeah. You know, that goes into the whole promotion relegation talk that we can yeah. continue to, to go in and sure, talk about. <laughs> Let, let's talk about this before we wrap up, because I think it's an important point point to make. I know we can talk about, Red Bull, you talked about the experience of going back home and playing for, you know, your hometown team, winning the championship there with that incredible group. That's like really worth talking about. Maybe another episode we can do that. You've you've played at Tampa Bay um, at a great club there with a lot of talented players. And now New Mexico, one of the up and coming clubs in the league. Um, but you also had to deal with the unbelievably difficult injury a couple years ago and now you're still still going strong you want to talk about that or any of the other points that that i i made is there something that that's worth taking away from there from that experience or is it more beneficial you think for the conversation to you know talk about your recent experience at at uh new mexico and what the club is doing there Tampa Bay. I'll leave it up to you, but let's touch on the injury just real, yeah. real briefly. Um, to I, 
I think the injury is a, is a, is a good spot, uh, a good topic to discuss, just because you can tie it into life and to so many different things. So, so like the viewers can kind of relate maybe, um, you know, it's, it was another hurdle in, in, in my life. It was another obstacle. Um, I was coming off arguably one, you know, one of my best two seasons, you know, season that I've played. And, you know, I caught the eye of Tampa, Tampa Bay. They brought me in, had incredible five games. Um, and actually the bit of irony to this is I, so I, I tore my ACL that, that fifth or sixth game of of my first year with the Tampa Bay Rowdies. And the irony is I did it at Red Bull Arena against Red Bull 2. Um, so, I mean, what? The emotions, you know, everything was, was so insane. I don't know if you you might have been I, at that game, to I, be honest. I remember it, and I just, yeah. it's like one of those things that you can't make that, that shit up. It's like, you've got to be yeah. kidding, like, I, because yeah. you, you went out of the game, it's like, you don't know what happens. And then you, you get the diagnosis of it. I'm like, you gotta be like, you can't make that. Yeah. That's like horrible. Like that's like, yeah. And, and ACLs are no joke for a lot of players. Like that is, that's, it's not something that everybody comes back from normal, right? Like yeah. in a sense of, of recover. that's it. I've never had to deal with it, Yeah. but like. To, to recover from that good good for you so talk about that experience and you talk you talk about tying it into to life so that that'll yeah. be good for listeners even if they haven't had a, a significant injury like that you know yeah for sure so i mean very emotional obviously and i had you know 50 to 60 people family friends come watch that game it was it was my homecoming almost you know um you know, playing against my, some of my old teammates, my old coach. Like, I had so much to prove. Second homecoming, actually, right? <laughs> Second homecoming. That's right. Second homecoming after Germany. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was a very emotional experience. I was I was heartbroken. But, you know, I, I say to this day, if I were to do it anywhere, like, I, it, 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 it was amazing that I did it there. Like, the, the care they took for me, you know, Dennis Hamlet, he, he came in, he was the first to come in and, you know, console me. And, you know, they had their doctors there on site. They had, you know, John Wolney, I came in, uh, Jesse Marsh was watching that game. He checked on me. It was, it was just, you know, an incredible, um, just the care they took, took for me. I, I just can't explain it, but mm-hmm. it, I, I can't imagine doing it anywhere else during that season, you know, somewhere away from home. If I, if I did it, you know, in a game in Canada or something, it would have been totally different, you know, and I had yeah. my, my family there, my brother was there. Um, so they were, they were right there to support me and, you know, help me pick my head up right away. So for sure it was emotional and I was devastated and I, you know, I knew a lot of guys who did the ACL. So I was, I was leaning on them for recovery, for advice, post-surgery, pre-surgery, all that stuff. Um, I just had an incredible support system, um, with all my friends, like you, you contacted me, you know, like everyone, everyone, um, just, we're constantly checking checking in on me, making sure everything's okay, and kind of kept my head in it, you know. And I think that's what I really want to tie tie back into into life. Like, there's going to be obstacles. Like, yeah, like I, I've had a great career up until this point, but but you know, relegation, injury, like that's all a part of it, you know. But how, it, it's that drive, it's that determination, the grit. Like, how do you keep going? Like, there's always going to be obstacles in life, you know. And whether you're a professional player, whether you know you have a normal job in the office like there are going to be obstacles everyone has their own obstacles but it's just that grind it's that mentality it's it's what you make of of those bad uh situations and how you can turn it to 
you know, persevere pretty much. And I think that's, that's what it really did for me. Again, like, like when I went to Germany, I just learned so much about myself during that injury. I learned about more about my body. I got stronger. I got fitter. Um, I was just so determined. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll sneak in the, the national team bit here where, where the coach oh, called me, uh, on that recovery. And, and, you know, that phone call was huge for me because, you know, it was nice to see that, that my play was, was seen by, by the national team coach of Afghanistan where, where me and my brother got invited. And, you know, he called me, he reassured me. He's like, listen, we want to get you in, just get healthy. And, you know, that was extra motivation. The Tampa Bay Rowdies organization, they're like, listen, we want to bring you back next year. Like keep pushing through this. Like they had, they had my back through, through this all. So it was, you know, there, it was a dark time, but there were, there were those bright spots that, that really, you know, had me, uh, motivated and going forward and I really you know wanted to make the most of my recovery and get back on the field you know safely and as soon as possible um, and looking back on it it was you know I, I missed out on on a season a season and, and a quarter uh, or a half uh, where I couldn't play games which was devastating but at the same time it was something I went through personally and I got so much more out of it on the other side you know like I've, I've I went through things with my body. I learned about myself. Um, you know, I, I learned to appreciate the game more, uh, playing more, family, friends, everything. My my whole support system was was just incredible for for me. So it was it was an experience that I I wish upon nobody. You know, like a, an ACL injury. That's no joke. It's brutal. But you know, for me to go through that that full process and through that obstacle, it was it was rewarding in the end. And I and I I definitely would say I, I made the most of it. So you know, terrible things to happen. Don't wish it upon anyone, but I would say, you know, keep your head up, grind through the process. And on the other side, you, you're going to, you're going to get a lot more out of it. If you, if you come through that and are successful and you're, you're still playing like I am. So yeah. it was, it was a crazy experience. It seems like the recovery started instantly when you got that acknowledgement from the whole Red Bull staff. For those that don't know, yeah. Dennis Hamlet's a, one of the staff members there along with Jesse, who's now with, yeah. uh, uh Sal- Leip- salzburg sorry um yeah. but yeah it seems like having that start right away, it was like okay i'm on the road to recovery already it might have been whatever yeah. 15 minutes after the game but that's where it begins and um yeah. yeah the support system is huge and and uh the the one thing too that maybe you can can touch on is you you talk about being able to persevere you obviously had the experience in in germany with with getting relegated and just saying you know i know you as as very optimistic and for listeners david's extremely optimistic but you've also you talk about being able to persevere and like going through like some some hard times like is there any specific moment like for example i talk to to players now about like doing one hard thing a day like that could be like i'm really craving donuts and like i'm not eating donuts today like that could be hard right or like mm-hmm. 100 push-ups for somebody is hard is there like is there something that you can pinpoint where you started like piece that together where there were like those challenges like obviously studying at at columbia yeah. and some of those right. late nights and reaping the rewards of, of getting a uh a good grade on an exam after you know putting in all the work or or something is there uh, something worthwhile that's sharing that's worth sharing I mean I mean I don't think anything I'm, I think all those little ones will definitely come up and you don't really think about it you're just you know piecing them it, together. it's maybe some not yeah some natural perseverance or you're like listen I need to get through this but I think it's the ones that you're not ready for those are the ones that that can 
blindside you, but you really grow from those, you know, like when, when it's an injury like that, or, uh, I mean, whatever it may be that someone, someone may be personally dealing with, but when you're blindsided by something like that, I think it, it, like you have to encompass it and take it all in and kind of just reset yourself. Right. And then I think once you do that and then you go against all that adversity and then you persevere and find, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, I think that's what makes that full experience so much more rewarding. Cause when you're blindsided by it and you know, when you, when you have an obstacle like that, then no one could be ready for that. Right. Like mm-hmm. no one knows it's coming. coming. Like if, if, if you don't see it coming, then how, how can you ever prepare? Right. So I think once you go through that full experience and are blindsided by something and then carry through it, I think those are the ones that, that really, you know, make or break a, a, a person, uh, an athlete, whatever it may be. Yeah. I mean, I just think of it like you could have uh, say those the, you didn't have the support system, even if you did, you could have had the approach like, all right, this is it. Right. Or like yeah. when you got relegated, like, you know, maybe this is it for for soccer, but like having those other experiences in your life, like I bring up uh, the Columbia one, I'm sure there are other ones that that are, are yeah. personal ones yeah. to yourself that you just got to keep working through all the little ones and not like putting it off like, oh, well, whatever, you know, that's that's that and and i'm done with it like figuring out a way how to piece all the small ones together and get on the other end of it so you are prepared for those bigger ones or else you won't be ready so yeah it could be as simple as you know 100 push-ups a day it's hard but get through it and then you realize that it's not that hard right so yeah yeah. um, it it really starts putting obstacles into perspective right and then you start start pushing yourself personally yeah no that's that's a, it's a good way to put it. So that's, a, that's the other thing, too, that I didn't even touch on. I'd keep you here all day and, and night with uh, <laughs> with this stuff. We'll, we'll do a, another episode. But the, the national team experience. Um, so here, let's put it this way. The way I wrap up the, the episode, yeah. as you know, is with the most memorable soccer experience Um and we haven't even gotten through them all, which is fine. We'll do another yeah. episode. I have no problem talking to you. I'd love to do it again. But for sure. is the national team the most memorable experience? If not, let's save it for another time. And you can can touch on the the most memorable soccer moment in your career so far. Yeah, yeah. I think that one was was extra special. I mean, the USL championship in 2016 was great, but I think and. And I think you know where I'm going with this just because, you know, Adam was involved, you know, in that experience and just representing, you know, my 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 dad's country, where he came, my dad's side of the family and, and you know, the, the culture and, and everything that I grew up knowing, you know, you know, the the messages and, and the notes, like everything I got before and after that, it, it was just so rewarding, you know um international soccer it's different man it's it's so interesting and how like the pride people take in into it you know and especially when you go over to the middle east and and in those asian tournaments and being able to to represent my family my cousins you know um in this in in these in this game you know in this tournament the qualifiers with my brother there by my side like incredible incredible and add to that like that was me coming back from injury that was you know one one so I I came back and one of my first games when I, back when I was fully fit was towards the end of the season and it was you know I had well I had one friendly in July and then a, a qualifier in November 
So me being able to experience that on, on both sides of the, the schedule of the year with my brother um, overseas with the travel involved and, and in that cutthroat environment of, of games that matter. You know, we don't get too many games with the national team every year. So having having that experience, sharing the field, wearing the jersey, representing the flag, like what what an incredible experience! And for sure, one of one of my most memorable ones. Yeah, I think of this now, and you, like I've said before, and, and and as you know, you're one of the the straightest shooters, most honest. You know, <laughs> you give a great perspective on things. You're you're very well spoken. I haven't asked this question before to any of the guests. Like I, I just thought of mm-hmm. I, this is a question that I would. I'm, well, Aaron's going to get the question now because I'm going to ask you it. But I, I uh-huh. should ask him or should have asked him uh, on the the episode. Is there a point as a player that you've ever felt like you've made it? Like because I feel like the national team is like one of those things where like. I don't know if you even think of that as a player, but yeah. it's like, have you made it? Like, do you feel like you've made it as a player? Was there a point in your career? And I know that that's maybe like a tough because yeah. I know you're, I know you're extremely humble and, and modest. But like, is that something yeah. that, that you've ever thought about? Because it's like you could, you've made it as a pro in in Germany. Granted, it's the whatever fourth fourth tier, but still, that's a professional mm. level at an extremely high level. You've come back here. You've played for your hometown club. Sure, it's USL, but then you win a championship. So it's like not many players do that. So you've made it. You've made it there, yeah. and then you get another pro contract with Tampa Bay Rowdies, right? And you're you're moving up the the ladder in terms of uh, of a career and status in, in the league, and then you get called into the national team. It's like. Sure, there's a higher bar if you were to go play for Bayern or for Real yeah. Madrid, win Champions League. But is there a point where you like sit back and it's like, I- I've made it as a player. Not that you're satisfied, but like yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. Because I think like I here's how I can clarify it for you as you think about it. Maybe like with with Aaron, right? Like he was USL, right? Then he made the jump to MLS, and it's like okay, I made it, and then. Not that he's satisfied and then he's, you know, yeah. a starter, but you can still think that that you've made it. And then all of a sudden he's in with the national team and then captain captaining yeah. the national team. It's like at that point you'd have to think that that you've made it, right? Is that I know that's probably not an approach you've taken. Yeah. Um, but Yeah, and I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh I, I know uh, you know, that mentality, but I feel like, you know, as just how competitive we are and how determined we are like it, it there'll always be something else right sure. like it's it's just like another checkpoint like you're trying to climb up that ladder but like as professional athletes you know there's you know there's no time you made it i like at this point I, even messi you know if we were to talk to him or ronaldo like i don't think in their minds they've they've even made it you know what i mean like yeah. it's just there's always like that higher status and something you're shooting for and i think that's the drive that's a little different for for those next level athletes, you know, and, and they're so determined and, and they're always unsatisfied. Like you said, like definitely not satisfied and they're so competitive and the determination just to, to keep going and grinding and get more, um, like for Aaron, like a world cup, you know, you know, sure. winning it at, at some point. So, so I, I for sure know what you mean. Like I am, I am happy with, with my career trajectory and, and where I've been and what I've accomplished for sure. Like it, it's, it's an honor, you know, it's, it's so great to be able to talk about this and, 
you know, even though I, I don't like speaking about myself, like I try to be humble, but, but it, it's, it's great. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing to live this life and I don't take it for granted at all because not, not a lot of people get to do it. Right. Yeah. But yeah, always striving for more and pushing for more. No, I think that's a great way to end it and a great mm-hmm. piece of advice for the younger players listening, like hearing from yeah. you, because I know Aaron would say the same thing and, and a lot of our yeah. other friends that would say, yeah, made it, but there's still so much more to, to make, I guess is the way yeah. Yeah. to, to always, put it. Always, where right? Don't be complacent. Right. Like, yeah, you've, you may have made it as a starter on your, your varsity team or in college. Yeah. You've, you've gotten your scholarship to to college but it's one of those other cliches when you get drafted when players are like yeah "Yeah, the work starts now like you know i haven't haven't made it yet like you've made it but now the next tier you're gonna make that next opportunity yeah there's there's always and that's in life too you know there's always uh, a higher position and another opportunity waiting on the other side now that's a good way to put it and a good way to end so we will do another episode because there's so much yeah. shit that we can talk about and it'll so next sure. time be over over hot grill. So Dave We'll do I, this in person, absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate it. This has been amazing and uh, a lot to take away. So thank you, buddy. Thanks for having me, Clint. This is rewarding for me as well. I really appreciate you. Doing great work, man.